All right, all right, all right. Good evening, or welcome to After Dark with Sean Cornelius. I'm your host, the romantic, funny man, Sean Cornelius, uh, sitting in for another episode of After Dark with Sean Cornelius. Uh, got a really uh, fantastic show. You know how I say before we get it going. I always say we got a fantastic show, right? <laughs> it's cool. But before I get started, I always got to say hello to my right and my left hand team there, down there in behind the scenes doing their job well. DDC, Denise the Giorgio Cooney, program director and producer extraordinaire, Smoke, Tyreek Muskeem. And uh, you guys, hopefully uh, you're ready to do this nice. Tonight's guest, um, got a fantastic guest, but before I get into that, I want to say hello to everybody. I'll let you guys know that are watching out there in TV land that we do stream live. We are live now on social media, so I want to say what's good to everyone over on, on my Facebook pages and my YouTube page, Sean Cornelius Entertainer. And I want to thank BronxNet for housing us, Channel 68 and Channel 2134, and DH1TV as well as Spotify uh, for the podcast. So uh, tonight's guest um, has a multitude of talents. Uh, I've known this gentleman for quite some time. And uh, we have performed together on several platforms. We actually did a web series episode together. Um, he was so humbled and such a generous person. He actually pulled me in. Matter of fact, on a Black History Month show, I believe that's what it was, uh, to perform with him and the legendary Melba Moore. Um, and he's just been a supporter and we've been a supporter of each other throughout the years. He's an author. And he's a talented actor. Uh, he's a motivation. I call him a motivational speaker, but he, he does so much. And he's just a, a fun-loving dude, great personality. And I'm glad that he's on the show tonight. So it's about two minutes, two and a half minutes after the uh, intro. So it's time to bring my guest to the platform, to the studio, because he's back there waiting. Please welcome Ronald Haney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brother. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> you, you provided and brought your own audience claps. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful yeah. thing, man. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. First of all, thank you for being here, bro. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. Sean, Sean, Sean Cornelius. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. listen, you know, we talked about getting you on the show uh, about a month or so ago. We had to get the schedules right. At the end of the year, I spoke to you, and uh, you were just like, yeah, let's do it. So here yeah. we here we are, author, actor, orator. <laughs> here we are. So listen, man, first of all, again, um, I didn't mention it in the, but we'll get to it. But I want the people to know about you first before we get into anything. <clears throat> um, so please tell the people, you know, where you're from, and then we'll get into and how long you've been in the industry, and then we'll get into some things. Well, hey, everybody. Good night to you. Okay, thank you very much, um, After Dark, for having me. I'm Ronald Haney, everyone. Nice to meet you all. I am author, actor, already. I'm a, born and raised in New York City, originally born in Brooklyn, you know, um, of Harlem parents. And I'm currently in the Bronx right now, but straight New York. I've lived in Nebuchadnezzar. I guess Staten Island may be the last that I would stay out there <laughs> consistently. Yeah, and I've been in the business now um, professionally since um, 1990. I'll, it's safe to say since 1994 when I was blessed with the opportunity to um, be part of the Black Filmmaker Foundation at that time. And I studied under the tutelage of the great living legendary playwright, Richard Wesley. You know, he also um, penned um, the, you know, the, the classic films of yeah. um, Uptown Saturday Night, Let's Do It Again. He also did Mandela and Leclerc for HBO as well. And uh, he's a very fantastic brother, you know. So since, you know, I've been as a, if you want to say professional for um, as an adult, you know, I would say around um, circa uh, 1994, where in an emotional reality, it started in the mid 70s, I'll say. And I got the opportunity to be a background actor on the now. Well, the serial is not around anymore. The soap opera, The Guiding Light. Mm -hmm. And uh, blessed to be brought into CBS television at that time in the late 70s by the late Michael Zaslow. Um, he 
in daytime TV history. He is the number one villain on record. Um, he portrayed the character Roger Thorpe back then on The Guiding Light. And uh, he also portrayed David Rinaldi on One Life to Live um, subsequently and um, for ABC TV later on. But he brought me into um, what was the first initial, initial push, you know, <laughs> like that. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. And like, I, well, you definitely have all those things because I met you through the acting thing, but I also, obviously, there's several things that we, we're going to get to. Um, so let's jump right into it because that, I don't like to waste time on anything. Uh, first of all, want to pay homage and, and say prayers and condolences to Mary Wilson, the great Supreme Woo! Uh, to her family and friends, we lost her. By the time this show airs, it might be some time, but we all know we lost another icon. And you had a connection to that, Ron, because you actually played Barry Gordy. Tell us about that project where you played Barry Gordy. Uh, oh, I would love to tell you about that project. Okay, Sean, Embody is the project that you are talking about. And um, now, 10 years ago, um, I put together an improv idea I put together this improv idea and it worked. You know, I um, it was a six character, one man show that I did on um, the, six, the, the, six, the sixth character was the, you know, the guy that was telling the story, of course, whereas the other five men, um, they were all leaders, if you will. Um, four of them are not with us anymore. That would be Medgar Evers, Marcus Garvey, Malcolm X, and Martin Luther King. And the one who is with us, who is Barry Gordy Jr. Well, uh, Barry Gordy, you know, he is a junior, but that's a long story. He's been Barry Gordy. <laughs> right. <laughs> long right. Time. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And so that improv idea work, and I'm looking forward to revamping and enhancing what that is for the future, you know? Yeah, and so because what I saw and recall, there were you had young ladies in who were portraying the Supremes. Okay, well, okay, what you uh, saw, with all due respect, Sean, you saw um, still shots of the open mic show that I um, that was very successful that I did in Harlem from 2006 to mm -hmm. 2011, and then we had a reunion like in 2014. Well, um, for Women's History Month one year, I did. A dedication to Diana Ross on because it fell on her birthday, March the twenty sixth. Okay, and the, the show on um, we were returning for that year, and then I ran from March all the way through October at the time, and so it fell on her birthday, and I put on um some Supreme skits, you know, mm -hmm. and so that's one thing. And then Embody was a whole nother thing, which came much later in um, twenty eleven. However, um, about um, Mary Wilson, it's funny. Um, because the last time that I saw Mary Wilson physically and spoke with her was the last time that I've and the first and the last time I've ever seen Cicely Tyson in a performance. It was during a the, the gym game on Broadway, and which is you know starred with the great uh, James Earl Jones. Um, Cicely and James Earl Jones did that, and um, you know what's crazy to me is how. These two icons, um, the Almighty called them home a week apart. Um, how I saw them both at the same time, thanks to a, a, a wonderful friend of mine from NBC. Um, and we actually <laughs> went to high school together. And uh, she, we went to the, you know, she said, well, come on, Ronnie, you know, I, I got, I'm going to see the gin game. You want to come? Da, da, da. I said, well, I went. And Mary was there. She, I was two hours behind her. I spoke with her about a mutual um a friend of hers who was a surrogate uncle to me in cincinnati and uh we talked there it was a brief i was after the show and uh, and my me and my friend went our way and they her and her friend went theirs as he we were all filling out in the theater and um and so now fast forward to today you know it's um of course it's um it's painful um but growing is painful as well you know we are Tomorrow just isn't promised, and we have to maximize our happiness on a day-to-day, second-to-second. And um, I feel like Mary has being called home for Mary Wilson is um, something is a direct shot to me from the Almighty, saying, "Look, 
you know the what's up. You already know what's up. I have had Mary Wilson. I don't own these right. Don't throw our love away. <laughs> yeah, you can only do like three seconds of that before you get, it, before you get us in trouble. So Ooh, you do little baby. <laughs> <laughs> so the Supremes, man, like, come on. And then the thing about Mary, she's the alpha and omega of the group. She's the original primate from 1959, and she went all the way up. To 1977, there's actually um, eight or nine or even more Supremes, just like the Temptations, um, and during the entire ten, you know, tenure of the group from the very beginning, you know, um, I sent, I humbly ask everyone around the world to pray for um, not only Mary Wilson's family, but to pray for families of, um, of Florence Ballard Chapman, as well as Diana Ross. Because um, now Diana Ross, in all actuality, is she has outlived her original primates from Betty McGlone to Barbara Martin to Florence and Mary now. So it's like that. Within um, the funk, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to speak about that, Sean. No man, listen. That's what we're. That's that's what this platform is yes. is for. You know, yes. um, we and like you mentioned, we lost another icon, Cicely Tyson, not too long Ooh. ago. So, so you pay homage to a lot of culturally. You pay homage to a lot of our heroes, whether they're male or female. You do a great job, and again, this will air at a later date. But it is now we're in the middle of Black History Month. <laughs> and and every time I see you, you know, it's, it doesn't have to be Black History Month for you to pay homage to the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Ah, it's a Dr. King kind of yes. thing. Eh? Yes, <laughs> now, when did you start doing that, Ron? When did you start saying, you know what, I'm going to make this happen? That happened in 2009 um, for me to memorize the um, I Have a Dream speech by memory was um, doing that help to preserve my life at the time I was undomiciled in my own hometown. Oh, sure. So like, I, um, you know, we're all, you know, New York full of cultures, you know, still trying to retain that um, post pandemic well during. And so there's a lot of poetry going on, a lot of music, you know, you know, New York is what it is. So I'm involved in poetry circles. Again, I ran my own poetry show and mm -hmm. talent show for grown folks. And so with all that being said, around 2009, you know, there's a friend of mine, a great, great, great guy in the Harlem community still, Paul McIntosh, it's safe to say his name, a great brother, a educator, a librarian. He was at the Wadley Secondary School. Well, never Wadley Performing Arts High. I remember when Wadley was a junior high. And anyway, um, Paul McIntosh had asked me if I could do Dr. King for the students one year, not when I was still doing it off the paper. Um, I had subsequent, I did prior to that, I had did it in New Jersey for, um, you know, for a, a, a lovely lady that I was with at that time for her pastor. Okay. Anyway, right. so fast forward a little bit. Um, I started doing it in the poetry circles at first. Um, I had decided to commit it to memory because I was amazed at how much it was in the speech. I had grown up just thinking that Dr. King, I said, I have a dream. That how The whole I have a dream part, which turned out to be his actual, after Mahalia, um, bless in peace, Mahalia coached him on on stage and he did that I have a dream part that was all really him but there was another part of the speech prior to that that I really never knew about I thought the computer had made a mistake when it when I printed it up in the library with Mr. McIntosh right and I was like man Dr. King said all of that <laughs> for that speech <laughs> and the next thing you know uh John the next thing you know I um I said I was going to commit that to memory. I felt like it would give me another, uh, it, would, it would even some another degree of something. Like it, would, it meant more to me to know that he said so much more during the, that iconic um, "Poor People's March from Washington" back then, and I was amazed at how much we did not know that he said 
those type of some things that go on in that speech. And I said, I would learn the whole thing. Right now, my uh, <laughs> my full of information producer smoke pops some things up, and you did it. You did it in Spanish as well. Well, first, <laughs> wait before you answer that. Before you come back with that, I want to say what's going on to Cotton Candy and D and Nancy and Lisa and Arthur and Michelle who are watching and supporting the show. So shout now, out to the Air Out Show, <laughs> yes, sir. And the, the Cotton uh, Candy and Pink Panther, sure, sure. Um, Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you? I do it in Spanish. Um, <laughs> yes, absolutely. And not be Spanish. Um, Sean Cornelius, that was a whole nother beautiful. Well, can monsters be beautiful? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, people often ask me, how long did it take you to learn this speech? I tell them nine days. It did in English. And it and it took me like nine months to learn it in Spanish like that, like it was amazing. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you, so you, yeah, you're multi, you're bil Is it Spanish the only other language? So it's bilingual or tri or four times five. Is that the English and Spanish? That's it. That for I guess I could say for now. I ran into a, a, a great brother of mine in the Harlem community, Javon. If you're out there, I was ran into him at Nama. You know, support the New Amsterdam Musical Association. I did the speech there. Um, for on King's birthday weekend, I yeah, that was right. It's been a lot going on on Tagabi all the way. Anyway, so what happens is, um, yeah, 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 I told Javon, I was, I said, like, oh, because you know, he's um, he's Haitian, and I said, oh, he was supposed to teach me how to do it in Creole, <laughs> and you told me that Ronnie that it would be over if I learned King, you know, it in Spanish, it is good, Ronnie, but when you learn it in Creole. You did not tell me. Javon, that's what I tell him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Comfortable on this show. I'm supposed to be Regal Ron here, but uh, you know, we're we're all mourning um these rapid transitions, but we find ways to um carry these batons that our ancestors uh give us when they're called home. Like we find ways to do that. So thank you very much. Sure, any, anytime, man. Listen, <laughs> all right, so I want to make time because you are an author. Tell them about the book. The book. <laughs> yeah. Tell them about the book, Duffy. Tell them about what it's about and just go into how you wrote the book, man. Okay. And why? And why? We transparent. Duffy came out of a failed suicide attempt. I'm not proud of that. It looks even worse when you see it in black and white on paperworks. So anyway, um, you know, the like I said, what I just said, I don't want to repeat that because it's very it's weird to talk about because I know that if I, you know, if the almighty decided to be, oh, you want to be smart and just, yeah, well, would I, I wouldn't be here with you. I wouldn't have been able to say, hey, Cotton Candy, or hold this. So um, right. anyway, so many images of the um, third, you know, what? Around and around 1994, because Duppy actually, Duppy, You Reap What You Sow was always a novel. And I started writing the book and I simultaneously, I had joined the Black Filmmaker Foundation at the time. And that's how I met the great Richard Wesley. So I began writing the novel and the um, screenplay version, because I've taken screenwriting with him. And I wound up um, writing the novel and the screenplay simultaneously at the same time. And of course, the great Terry McMillan, living legend, she is yes, very right. hot at that time. Um, she had already, um, she had published Mama years before that and Disappearing Acts, but Waiting to Exhale, I had the novel and I'd read that. And then she, the movie had came out and I was like, well, I want to, be, you know, I want, that was my big inspiration at that time. And so I wrote the book and the screenplay at the same time. And uh, I always wanted to dedicate it to my grandfather who had passed away prior to the, that unfortunate attempt that to God be all the glory, it didn't work. And I'm sitting here on this interview. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, at, right. So that, yeah, that was around, yeah, 1995 is when the book, when the story was finished and I was already oh, just in touch with Mr. Wesley at that time. And I subsequently um, became a mem member of Frederick Douglass 
um, Creative Arts Center on 96th Street, and that led to being a part of the New Renaissance Writers Guild, where some of Terry's um, comrades were in that writers group. They were a um, they were a division of the late great John Oliver Killens um, Harlem Writers um, Harlem Writers Guild um, from way back. Um, they were chilled. They were kids, many, many of them then, and they were a little, you know, a little older than me, and they semi-embraced me as I was really trying to get this book off the ground. It took a long time. Um, I was um, literary agents did begin to give me bites along the way, while other things was going on with the screenplay, such as meeting the great David Wright in the community. I'm the number one sound designer in the off-Broadway community, Adolfo award-winning um, David Wright, who was doing radio dramas via WAI at mm -hmm. that time. And he and I won an award for the piece you know, the um, broadcast, because he ran that broadcast twice in 1996. We even um, got at that time, because now it's pretty much a free for all, but we had trouble from the FCC because there was some language that was used. You know, the novel Duppy, the piece is about elderly abuse, mm -hmm. um, intercultural racism, and of course, Caribbean supernatural folklore. No, I am not Caribbean. My granddad did mention some Guyanese stuff going on, like I do eat cow heel soup, but you know, he was so far removed. I'm gonna have to do the thing, you know, the thing that everyone's giving up their ancestry now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the real deal. But I, um, I was adamant about us all benefiting from each other's culture at that time, and um, you know, we unfortunately sometimes we deal with. Interculturally, we are racist towards each other, and I don't really hear that in other cultures. Like, you are rare, it's rare that you ever hear an Irishman say to an English, well, we were Irish, well, maybe they did back in the day what we don't know about, but it was painful to, you know, when West Indian Blacks and American Blacks didn't get along around me, and that came out in the book, so to speak. Okay. You know, okay. stuff like that, you know, so um. Yeah. So I published eventually, you know, um, because I just didn't want to give up on the work. I was adamant about doing something dedicated to my grandparents because my grandmother died subsequently. And then the senior citizens that supported the family at that time, they all started to pass away. And then so I got this big old list in the book <laughs> of dedications to people and this big old forward acknowledgments and because I always said that no matter who um, had a kind word and or maybe a negative word, I mean, whoever had something to say along the journey, I was going to, when I, once I did become published, I was going to shout them out in the book. It's amazing that I did that. Mm -hmm. And so it's a, it's a journey, Sean. It's a, you hey, know. Well, let me stop you real quick and take you back to something that you said that I'm not familiar with. You know, being in a, of our culture, but cow what soup? Uh, cow, I said cow heel soup. Cow heel soup. <laughs> soup. Yeah, cow heel soup. But then you know, mostly you hear cow foot soup. That's that, that's the main term that you normally hear. But my grandfather called it cow heel soup. Okay. Some guys I talk to, they be like, you, you know about cow heel. You know. <laughs> okay, Ron, wait, wait, because you, 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 you make this. Do you make it or you get it from somewhere? I would, but it can. Yeah, I, it, you know, I can make it. Okay, I so is it actually real cow heels? <laughs> like cow foot. Like cow foot. Okay. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah, some of us we get, you know, how it is. Like, you know, we we should. Focus on a lot of fruits and vegetables. Yeah, yeah no, I get you know, it, man. Historically, we know what happened. But I, yeah, I was gonna be that's kind of like pig knuckles and all that yeah, other yeah, kind yeah, of stuff, listen. man. Well, okay. man listen, <laughs> I got a joke for you. Anytime somebody say, "Oh, no, Ronnie, do you do you do you eat chitlins?" I say, well, "You know, you know what a chitlin spot at." You know what I'm saying? Whatever. Yeah, man, yeah or less curt. Never, never, never. Listen, man, I just won't eat it all year. You know, you're going to send my pressure through the roof. Yeah, well, I won't. <laughs> listen, let me, so let me ask you a question, man, because you said, we, we know, obviously, we have people watching the show, and, yeah. and I want you to, you know, you obviously come through your situation that caused you to write the book. Man, I need you. Obviously, you know, there are valuable things. Sometimes when people go through those things and they don't see any light, and this is why they want to 
put themselves in total darkness and check out. But yes. you've able to live through your scenario. Please give some advice um, to those out there who might be struggling, man. You, 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 were, you were in a dark dark. spot. Yeah, so please tell them. I mean, that's that give, dark. So give uh, some what, advice. I, what I need to say is that when, um, when you hear of people committing suicide and attempting suicide, these people are at the darkest moment in their entire life where they uh, ins they insist that for whatever reason they don't belong anymore um you're at your darkest moment where you want to meet the maker you just got to do it and um so anyway i the what kind of i can only speak about what happened to me and um sure when i when i see there came to a point where it just didn't happen and there you had voices that were like no i thought about my one of my sisters crying there was this one sister i have because i have three sisters actually and i thought about one of them there's one in particular crying and carrying on about what could have possibly happened and and it didn't happen the way i was trying to do it and I was like, "Wow, you're there at your you're at your lowest point when you hear of these things." So, my encouragement to people who are feeling that dark is, it's something that you will have to go through. You want you will you want to hope that it doesn't happen ultimately. If there's some way that you can stop and think, you there's a chance that you'll be better off because it's the creator that gives us the life. Who are we to take what the creator has given us? You feel me? Like that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Totally. Totally, man. Totally. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you for that, brother. Because again, <clears throat> we don't know who right we can. Up. We we don't know who we can touch with our stories or who we're, who's watching <clears throat> just behind the scenes. And something you say may enlighten or flip that switch back for someone. And again, I I my message for people is to let you know, regardless of what you feel, you are loved. You are loved. You may not feel it in that moment, but you know you yes. are. You are loved. And a lot of people, because of their scenarios, that's one thing they feel alone. You know, and they feel like they're out there struggling by themselves and there's no yes. support system. But my message is you're, you're loved. You know what I'm saying? I love you. Yes. You know, yes. so hopefully that matters. You know what I mean? So, Ron, I usually take a break around this time in about two minutes. But I want you to talk about in about two minutes or less your relationship with another legend that I got to meet um, years ago. But personally met when you were so gracious to bring me on a, a Black History Month show, the legendary <laughs> Melba Moore. Absolutely. You have a great relationship with Melbourne. We'll talk about that in about two minutes. Sure. I'd love to. <laughs> yeah, now. You can do it now for two minutes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we was going to commercial. No, no, I'm going to do the break after. I want to get this in first. <laughs> I want to talk about Miss Melbourne. <laughs> sure. The, oh, my goodness. Mel, the Melbourne Moore. I feel like um, the creator, the ancestors, the angels that protect me, sent me Tony Award winning, Grammy nominated, Lifetime Achievement receiving, Melba Moore, the queen of Broadway soul. You let it be known, she's the queen of Broadway soul. Yes. I met yes. Melba Moore on the, I had the great opportunity as a fantastic promoter out there, Michael, Mr. Excitement Jacobs, who brought many acts to my neighborhood, to Lehman College in the, you know, in the Bronx. There was first choice was there, the great Ursula Herring um, out of that group. Um, first choice, D-Train, um, you name it. Um, you know, music that means so much to us on the come up. And Melba Moore was part of the bill. And in the novel, I wrote a scene in which, you know, I'll do the realistic fiction where she and um, Freddie, um, but she and um, Freddie was doing a little bit more and her hit on Soul Train, an actual occurrence. And so I wanted her to have a novel. I wanted her to have a book. And we, I wound up meeting her there. And that led to 
one night I, I had an idea. I was thinking, I was wondering if I could work with Melba Moore. I wonder if she would sing with me if I could do a king and we could do an event together. And one thing led to another, and the Almighty made that happen. You know, I learned a lot from that show. I was so glad that you were a part of that show. You know, it's um that show was indeed a lot. And um and I'm most grateful for the the interaction that she continues with me and many of her fans from around the world are via social media. Um, I yeah. think that it's fantastic that she has always known a way to connect with her fans from her very, listen, man, Melba Moore, a lot of people don't understand the power of who she is. Melba Moore opened doors for Stephanie Mills, <clears throat> right. Holiday, and Andrea McCardle because Melba Moore was she got the Tony Award for Pearly in 1970 for mm -hmm. a um, for an actress in a musical category. It was the very first um, time that was ever done in Broadway history, period, mm -hmm. at that time. And prior to that, she was a part of the original cast of Hair. She was the first black actress to replace a white actress, Diane Keaton. She replaced Diane Keaton on Broadway you know, I, I guess it was last minute. I'll have to double check that with her. I'll play with that score, but I'll have to double check that with her. <laughs> um, but to my knowledge that, you know, where she replaced her and the show took off your hair is what it is. Historical on Broadway, Melba Moore was part of that cast, but that pearly and her show-stopping I Got Love, got that Tony Award in a musical category and had never been done before. So that way she opened doors for Stephanie Mills for um, The Wiz and, of course, Jennifer Holliday. Right. And I'm telling you, and I'm not going. Right, man. Listen, that's listen. I just wanted to make sure you brought you when well, we had to talk about her. That's a part of your legacy. Yes. And uh, I'm very appreciative of you, man. So I thank you so thank much. You. Yeah. So listen, man, we're going to take a break right about here. Okay. We're going to come back and put you in the love zone. I know you've been posting. <laughs> you've been posting on Facebook and social media about being I'm so nervous. Love zone. Guys. I should think I don't <laughs> cry my eyes over Mary Wilson. I can just see these little B.I.s. Well, listen, you better pray. To, you better pray to the gods. In about, you got about a minute and a half to pray <laughs> to the love gods. But you'll be fine, man. You'll be fine. So just stay right there. We'll be back love. with more. Love my guests. Ronald Haney on After Dark with Sean Cornelius in about two minutes. <laughs> hey, it's Bethany Brown. I played Null or Janet Petty in The Flash. Sean Cornelius, your new movement, Enough is Enough? Phenomenal, man. Everybody, let your voice be heard and go support Sean's campaign, Enough is Enough. It's time. Hi, I'm Sheba Jordan. I wanted to make this video to show support to and congratulate my good friend, Sean Cornelius and his Enough is Enough movement. Sean, you hit the mark with this one. With all the madness happening, particularly in this country today, I think the whole world agrees with you. Your message is appropriate, it is accurate, it is true. Enough is enough. Keep going, good brother. I'm so proud of you. I congratulate you. I support you. Hey, this is Anita Marie Sparrow, and you're watching After Dark with Sean Cornelius. All right, all right. We are back. Welcome back to After Dark with Sean Cornelius. I'm your host, the romantic, funny man, Sean Cornelius, and still sitting in with me, author, actor, or the <laughs> Ronald Haney. He's now we're gonna make him. We're gonna turn him into a lover. So we don't the only one I love is Melba Moore. <laughs> well, then you better again. You better use Melba's energy and spirit to get through this sec this segment right here. I just want to shout <laughs> out um, Who produced this fantastic hoodie with Melba's image on it. Um, That's beautiful. During that time, you know, Melba's forever, forevermore, literally, you know. All right. Shout out to Wayne Ellison at uh, www.glamfine.com. 
And you'll be surprised on what the brother puts together with his own hands from fantastic hoodies like this. Listen, you should shop his website and it's a variety of things from hoodies to masks to other merchandise to furs. Cool. All right, now I need some of that energy that you just gave that brother. All right. I need, I need some of that energy to get this thing going. So I need you to going. summon all your powers right now and sure. say abracadabra for me. Abracadabra. Oh, Lord have mercy. Look at that. We, we are now in the love zone off of your power, <laughs> your energy. All right, all right, brother Ron. Here we go now. These, these are very, this is nothing difficult. Almost 70 other people have made it through the show in this segment, so I'm sure you'll be inside of that group, all right? Sure. These are all your opinions. These are all your opinions. All right, here we go. Let's start it off. First question. What is your definition of love, and why is it important to you? My definition of love is... Well, I can only, I'm going to speak on why it's important to me. Love is important to me because you have to develop that love to get the conjunction with the creator as to why we are here in the first place. Love is life. Love is essential. Love is the skies, the, 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 the birds. Love is the flowers. Love is water. Love is the elements. Love is love, L-O-V-E. You need that conjunction with the almighty. Okay, I, I'll take that one. You answered, you answered it. Okay, so let's jump into this one. What is your definition of romance and why is that important to you? My definition of romance is... Being my definition of romance is being cognizant of your, you know, of your better halves' um, needs as much as you can possibly can, to a point where you can agree to disagree because you're opposite sexes, and so you know, with that being said, we're opposite sexes, so agree to disagree. However. You know, there's no way in the world that anyone should go to bed mad and you should be romantic at all times. You take the time to get to know someone so that way you know what what make her, what get, keeps her thinking about you with every step she takes. And to me, that's what romance is when either of you can do that, where if somebody coming to you with the okie doke and be like, listen, you can be like, I, I hear you, ma. I hear you, ma. <laughs> I hear you, ma. But I got something hot at home too. You know what I mean? Like you know, like you. So, so, but romance is very, and romance is very important to me. You, you gotta have fun with this. Like you see all these checkouts, these disappearing right. acts going around you. So you need to be in romance and be in love all the time as much as possible. All right. And saying that, very good answer, brother. Where would you put yourself on a scale, on the romance scale from one to 10? I will put myself on this romance, on the romance scale from one to 10. I know I would definitely put myself at an eight to begin with. Okay. For all right. Absolutely. For, okay. So, all right. And saying that, which is cool, an eight is good. Tell us something that you've done that would make you say, yeah, I'm an eight. Give us an example of Ron Haney's eight style. Um, in romance, okay, yeah, because I love to give flowers. You know, I love okay. I love giving flowers. As a matter of fact, like okay, for example, boo, I'm single right now, but I still know. <laughs> <laughs> are you waiting for? Are you are you pitching for? A, are you pitching for a date on this show right now? <laughs> know, you know what I'm saying I'm hanging with the funny comedian. Well, yeah, all right, I got you, brother. I hope it works for you. Romance type of dude, you know what I mean? So you know, I'm trying to learn, bro. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so an eight giving flowers is good. Yeah. And what else? Yeah, I, I I really like to do that. I'm gonna send out flowers for Valentine's Day anyway. Um, and I'll leave it at that. Okay, yeah. well, I won't even bother that because I don't want to get you in no, no deep hole because you say you're going to send out flowers. And there's women out there who are single as well. They'd be like, I want some flowers. I want some flowers, Ron. No, so I anyway, we'll get past that. <laughs> Ronnie be like, yo, I had my, when I was doing the open mic show, the host of, well, yeah, you know, of course, why is it in life we always have a boss? But anyway, and they're usually women. It's, it's nuts. But anyway, <laughs> um, 
the woman who put me on to do the show, um, she said, no, Ron, you make it look easy. And I have to agree with that last 10 years, but it's okay. Um, man, listen. All right, we'll move past that. You got, I got your answers. All right. So, <laughs> so uh, next one, Ron. Yes. If you could have dinner, and I've learned to kind of be flexible with this question. If you could have a romantic dinner with anyone, past, present, or future, who would it be? But I'm going to let you answer it if you could have dinner with anyone, past, present, or future. See, we're in the love zone, so you got to answer romantic first, and then you can tell me someone that you would want to have dinner with, past, present, or future. Right now, right now, it's going to be Mary Wilson. Okay. Right now, it's going to be Mary Wilson. Okay. <laughs> Donna, it's, it's a Miss Mary Wilson, but yeah. All right. That would be Mary Wilson. Absolutely. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Um, Ron, you know that in relationships and love and romance, uh, to have a successful relationship, you must have respect, honesty, and trust. Absolutely. Okay. It's, you know, it's like it's 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 respect, honesty, and trust, correct? Yeah. Yes. That is, that is as essential as air in a relationship okay. as, well as communication. All right. So right tonight though, tonight because you have to have respect, honesty, and trust, you get to take one of those away and still have a successful relationship. Which one are you going to get rid of out of respect, honesty, and trust? In order to have a successful relationship, I have to get rid of... Wait, what are you talking about, Sean? <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Gary Coleman. You have, you have respect, honesty, and trust. Respect, honesty, honesty and, trust. and yes. trust, and one of them has to go away for so this show. Successful? No, no, no. You can still have a, you can still have a successful relationship by taking one of those out tonight. Only for the show. Which one Only are you going to get show. rid of? Yeah. Only for the show. Trust, honesty, and, re and respect. Respect. <laughs> trust, honesty, and respect. I'll do the <laughs> trust, honesty, <laughs> and respect. I'll do the honesty. Okay. Now for the show, Sean, how dare you make me do that? <laughs> but for the show, my dude, my Gina, I mean, I will all right, you take honesty. All right, let's honesty. move. We can move past it. That's cool. The honesty, bro, because like you can, you know how it is. Like, yo, yo, my, you know, she be the. the Listen, I gotta stay. I gotta you stay neutral. Lot. Listen, yo, my, you know that weave is I. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm just. Like, I, I stay out of your doing? answer. What my baby doing? I stay out of your answer, brother. That's that's on you. Don't bring me into this scenario. <laughs> no kidding, no kidding. That's the all right. I know, I know. They ain't gonna they ain't gonna chop your head. They gonna want to chop mine. Nah, yeah. <laughs> hey, so Ron, check this out. Yeah. When you're in a relationship, what is the what is the one thing that makes you the happiest when you're involved with someone? What's the what's the one thing out of relationships that really just makes you go, "Wow, I'm glad I'm in this." I really love when the female um she has taken the time to listen to have listened to you like even if you're a chatterbox due to nerves sometimes um you know which i've been accused of being but that could be a style of behavior coming from the man because you do that just to protect his heart because you know when you get down and gritty and grimy with someone that you should be having feelings for you know you should be playing for keeps so I like when the sister um, happens to really know what is making you tick and um, and she can be of that um, small percentage of that still cares about men because there's a small percentage of women out there that really do care about how men feel, you know, right. and, um, you know, and unfortunately, Oh man, unfortunately, because we because brother, we're outnumbered by some cats that just have really did them uh, some kind of way from um historically for many, many, many years. You know, Sean, we're not taught how to right them, right? Mm -hmm. So because of that, we are a small percentage as well. So I like it when the Almighty fixes it, where I come across someone who, um. Is take has taken the time to know me. She has listened, mm -hmm. you know, and she has looked at the fact that I am the different man than the last man that she's had, and I'm required to do the same thing for her as well. Sure, absolutely. 
Right, you know, right. That takes right. time. Communication. I yes. love great communication. Because truth be told, if I get a great communicator, you know, I'll shut up. I'll just be like, all right. And she be like, well, what you say? I was like, that's my stomach, baby. Like, What's good? Got you, <laughs> got you bro. Like got that. you. Yeah, all right. Uh, before I do the next one, really quickly, want to say what's up to Carla. Hello to Sharon, Jessica, and Anita that have popped in, and Sal. Hey, listen, man, next one. Give me three things that are attractive to you about women. Three things that are attractive to you about women. Oh my goodness, her intelligence. Oh, three things. Her intelligence and her humor first. First. Then we'll get into looks. <laughs> we'll get into looks. That's the third one. But that intelligence and that humor. Okay. I love the laugh. I'd rather do the laughing than to be trying to make somebody laugh. And then, um, yeah, that third one would be looks. Sure, because you want to have someone that you can look at and you want to match their looks at least. Yeah, physically attractive, sure. Physically Absolutely. Attractive. And then, yeah, yeah, but first is that intelligence. It's not, Sean, you know ain't nothing like learning from somebody. You'd be like, what am I sure. you doing? Right. I know, anyway, I'm saying, you know, it's it's nothing like a woman's intelligence. Right, very attractive, mental, yes. Okay. All right, so let's go to the other side. Three things that just turn you off about women. In general, just as turn you off about them um, that are not well, not attractive. Yes, not attractive. Okay, what's not attractive about women to me? Um, you know that comparison of you to other men um, that's not attractive. There, um, being subversive in terms of. Um, um, you know, I don't like when women pretend to really like each other. I think that um, it's important when she opens her mouth to speak that she should, you know, you should know that she cares about humanity to the best way that she can because the, you know, women um, have been persecuted against for so long. And now, you know what I'm saying? They're getting their just due for real, for real. Um, mm -hmm. um, so with that mm -hmm. being said, man, you know, there would be no need for, you know, I mean, I guess you would have to just, I don't want to go over the place with this. I, I'm really a, a deal breaker is um, a lying woman, a, okay. a troublesome woman. You see her, you know, you know that she's um, a not nice person. Um, when people show you who they are, you've got to believe them, like right. Maya said. They bring you your their personality on a platter if you listen to them the first time. Check sure. them out. Sure. Mm -hmm. uh, so, all right, good, all right, good ones, good ones. Um, take a second, a minute on each one. Give the young women out there because our younger generation needs a little bit of help and uh, mentor. Give the young women advice on dating men today, and then take a minute on young men dating women. If you have advice for both genders. I, sure, I love. I love to. You know, I always want to do the best that I can to project a great image for young people, the best that I can. Without, you know, so I'll start with um, advice for young women and um, about dating men. Um, I would say to. Um, I would say the best that you can to try to get to know where his mind is. And I think his environmental factors are very important. And what I mean by environmental factors, like, you know, uh, you know, you know, some of you young ladies, oh, he's so cute. Oh, he got a body or whatever. <laughs> um, it's, you be, there is more to that man than that. And the quickest, I would, I would say be open to sound advice from women who have been married, um, women who have been in relationships and stuff like that, but still have your own mind with dealing with the opposite sex, the boy. Again, his environmental factors are really, really key. Um, and and I wanna say for the, uh, for young guys that's um, dealing with girls, um, Wow, that's yeah. I mean, now I'm thinking about what I, I see a lot now in the society. Yeah, well, go ahead and give it to him. Yeah, man. 
Oh, because it's so, you know, it, <laughs> I'm so happy to hear when um, young boys want to date young girls that <laughs> I love to give advice on what that could, what that is. Because um, that can be so innocent when you are courting, when you're young, when you're a young dude and everything, you know, this would be coming from if I had to do all over again. Um, I would say be open to listening who she is without, because I'm a firm believer that we as men are not really taught um, properly how to deal with women in a lot of cases sometimes, you know, again, based on our, our environmental factors. So, right. sure. um, you know, patience for either young people, for either sex, patience and communication is key. Now, that don't come with no handbook either. <laughs> you know? Right. No, you're right. You're right. Cool. All right, Ron, check this out. Let's jump into uh, <clears throat> the last segment of this part of the show, which is something that I like to call favorites. And see, I got power, too. All I got to do is say it, and it pops up on the screen. I got I got a little <laughs> bit of something going on. <laughs> so, so, baby, basically what I'm going to do, man, I'm just going to throw out some categories, and you tell me your favorite. That's it. Sure. One, you know, short and fast. All right, here we go. Favorite, and don't say cow, I mean heel or whatever. Favorite <laughs> food. Favorite food. Spare ribs. Spare your meat lover. Okay, spare ribs. Got you. Favorite, <laughs> favorite song of all time. Are you really going there? Yes, sir. If there's a kill for this. I don't want Okay, it. only three seconds. Only three seconds, remember. Love <laughs> <laughs> over Diana, bro. Got you. Okay. Favorite, well, I might be able to guess this one too, but no, I, I may not be. Favorite movie of all time. <laughs> Lady Sings the Blues. I was going to say a Diana Ross movie. Okay, there you go. All right, cool. Favorite book you've ever read? <laughs> I'm going here. I'm going to go here, bro. Go with it, brother. My, I'm taking off the shades for the other oh, lights. Flashing lights. <laughs> My favorite book of all time is Louise M. Fitzhugh's Harriet the Spy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, cool. I read uh, it in 1979. It's cool. Maybe 78, something like that. Uh, you've you've traveled a little bit, correct? You've traveled a little bit. Sure, I was. I'm an ex serviceman. Sure. Yes, sir. I, yeah. So, what is your favorite? Where's your favorite spot? Your favorite vacation spot? Mm -hmm. My favorite vac vacation spot. Boo! I don't have one. <laughs> well, listen. I don't let it's people. Right. It'll be her. Wherever she want to go, I'll go. Okay, but I can't. I, all right, I'm going to take all that. Right, but, but you I, know what? If I can throw something out yes, there. Yes, that's what I was going to say. throw something out there, bro. Go ahead. It's <laughs> I, all you. I can throw something out there. I want to vacation with a very special someone. I want to go to Paris. I do. I do, because Paris is historically that spot for love, romance. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And I want to go to those spots you know, I've never been um, to Paris. All right, so I, I know say Paris for now. You know, I'm wow. Yeah, I'm traveled, but like the spots I've traveled to, you know, you don't want a vacation there. <laughs> well, no, that's why I said your favorite yeah. vacation. I didn't say where you went to in the military. See, I, I see what you're doing too, Ron. You think you're slick. I see you. <laughs> I see you pitching for Valentine's Day, talking about Paris and all these. If you know, with my woman, I get with. I, I didn't mean to blow your spot up, but you well, did. I learned from you, <laughs> man. All right, brother. <laughs> okay, um, your favorite director mm. favorite director my favorite director of all time Ooh, i love these questions sean you know you got you, you got it man you know you got thank you brother thank you you picking ron brain like like what you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, you know, I'm gonna keep it easy. Like you keep it <laughs> like keep it, keep it simple, stupid. And lady, <laughs> look, man, it is what it is. And people know already know what's up. 
if Lady Sings the Blues is my favorite film of all, yeah, time, yeah, I'm going to say that Barry Gordy is my favorite director. Of all okay, time. sure. Okay, all right. So here we go. I'm, I'm now. I'm creating these for you. These are the ones that are in the favorites as a regular. But since you're here, favorite author. I ain't gonna say Ronald Haney now. That's too vain. If you want, if you feel like Ronald Haney's at the top of your list, put him down. But Ronald no. Haney is my favorite author right now. Okay. All right. Here we go. Favorite actor. <laughs> Do I go? Ronald Haney's my favorite actor right now. If that's what it is. You already know what it is, my G. <laughs> but okay, so you can't. I hope you. This is the, you don't have that same answer for this one. Favorite oh. actress. <laughs> Tuesday, no doubt, brother. Um, <laughs> if I was, well, God rest him. If I was Flip Wilson, I was Geraldine. What you see is what you get. <laughs> Shanae and them, them cats. Man. They came from that exactly. <laughs> so, so, who's your favorite actress? My favorite. Oh, my favorite actress. Okay, my favorite actress of all time. My favorite actress of all time, you know, and I'm not saying it's just because she just passed. Um, is Cicely Tyson, um, and I real quick because I my favorite role that I've ever seen Cicely Tyson is in was when she was Rose. Her mom, her name was Rose, and of course she was always a great opposite with Paul Winfield. And when they did Coretta and King, that was one thing, but I loved A Hero Ain't Nothing But a Sandwich based on the book by Alice Childress. Okay, and cool. she played Larry B. Scott's mother. He was, he was on dope. He was a teenager on dope. And Butler was Paul Winfield's character, was the stepfather. And Cicely Tyson was the mother to Larry Scott in A Hero Ain't Nothing But a Sandwich. Got you. I loved her, you know. All right, cool. Favorite TV show, then I got one more for you. My favorite, <laughs> my favorite TV show of all time. Yes, sir. So many, you know, are you aware that I'm a Libra man? I can't make up my mind like that. Well, man. that's what, hey, listen, I'm a, I'm a Leo and I have to be forceful. And I lead. know, bro. I know. Y'all know how y'all do your big brothers. Y'all be like, we got to like start scrapping that. All right, my dude, if I told you my favorite show of all time, man, you're going to be like, okay, Ron. And I'm going to be like, yeah. Well, I'm it's not even on TV no more. Okay, what is it? Go there. <laughs> all my children. <laughs> yeah, all my children, brother. Hey man, I got you. I'm with you. If you're a soapy, you're a soapy. I'm not a soapy. Well, that's a, a soapy. that's a soapy, brother. That's a soapy. Yeah, that's a soap. But you know what happened? You know already know the great Donnell Williams. He's running around out yes. there. Jesse came in the picture. Yes. Exactly. Jesse represented us at that time. You know, then my mom said grew up on Erica. I think her, my mother, you know, so my mother, my mother knew Erica when Erica was going to Pine Valley High School. So you know, they you can go up around it. But it actually, soap operas taught me how to write and act as a child, and that's how that led to me being on the guiding light in the first place. I used to read the soap opera digest to my mother. You know, she was a nurse. Okay, got you. All right, last one. Um, favorite time of the day for lovemaking in a 24-hour period. Favorite time oh, of the day yeah. for lovemaking. I love to answer that, brother. Um, the favorite time for lovemaking in the 24-hour period is around anywhere between... Of course, I, I say it's when you go to bed at... Whenever you go to bed at night. So it depends on what time that is. So <laughs> wait a minute. I'm just I'm talking about you, man. Just give me a time. You said oh, anytime me? you go to oh, for me. Oh, all right, all right. I was like, I'm gonna do the handbook on it now, right? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, you just have yeah. a no. <laughs> just give me a time, bro. Um <laughs> a great <laughs> matching what's and it's a nice little matchup. A great, a great time for that is 4 20 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. I appreciate the answers, man. With that answer, you are, now, you, are now, you are now out of the love zone. And this interview is hey Ron Haley, thank you, brother. I love you so much. I love you too, brother. You know what I'm saying? That's what it's about. You know what I'm saying? We gotta love each other so we can love 
others and love who we are. Feel I me? got you, man. Yeah. Yes, sir. So, look, I want to take an opportunity to thank everybody that's watching, that's watching on Facebook and YouTube, and uh, also Bronxnet and DH1 and listening on the podcast on Spotify. And thank you so much for supporting. So, as I always say in parting, please go with God in your heart. Have a peace of mind. Have a wonderful, wonderful tomorrow. And please continue to take care of yourselves during this pandemic and others. And uh, hey, Ronald Haney, <laughs> continue blessings, safety to you. And uh, you guys will catch you on the next episode of After Dark with Sean Cornelius. So from Lula May and Cornelius' baby boy, God bless you. Good night. And I'll catch you around the corner. Thank peace. you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you.